Hello, everybody, and welcome to Dining Hall Talk, the podcast where we speak about issues with the same uh, intensity and thoughtfulness that we did in college dining halls. And today we have a very special topic and a very special guest. Um, so we're going to be speaking about identity and authenticity. Um, and to speak with me today, we have the one and only Mike Phillips. Say, hey, Mike. <laughs> What's going on, guys? Um, and I'll just pass it off to him for a little bit of an intro. Yeah, for sure. Um, so again, my name is Mike, from, originally from Baltimore, Maryland, uh, currently live in Chicago, Illinois. Uh, I'm a 2020 Harvard graduate along with Michael. Um, while I was there, I studied sociology and psychology. And since graduating, I have worked in the consulting industry um, and recently moved over into the tech space. Uh, so I'm really looking forward to having this conversation. I think it's going to be in a very enlightening one. And so I'm glad Mike decided to put me on here. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and yeah, I'm really excited to kind of dive into this topic. I think um, identity and authenticity are two really important things, especially in this day and age where um, there are a lot of questions about, you know, what is our identity and how can we be true to that um, identity and be authentic in the way we live our lives. And so uh, to kind of start us off, uh, the first question I have is, what does it mean to you to be an authentic individual? Yeah, yeah, that's a good question. Um, I think to me, being an authentic individual, um, and it's not complex, it's really about just operating from a space where uh, the compass of your life is internal, um, where everything that you do arises from a place of self-affirmation. So if I'm going to do this thing, I know it's because it's in line with my values. I know it's because it's in line with maybe one might say a purpose. Um, but I know that it's true to the things that I believe and it's true to the things that I believe about myself. Yeah. And I think that that's kind of like the baseline for it. Um, it, yeah. Yeah. I think that's it. That's what it means to me. Yeah. That's, that's powerful. I think that that is very, very elegantly said. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I don't even want to add anything to that. Uh, I'm going to just, I'm going to just say ditto. Yeah. Uh, I think like, <laughs> I, I think authenticity comes from um I think authenticity comes from within. Um uh I think that like there is a little bit of a challenge as an individual defining what is within, right? Mm -hmm. Like I think that like figuring out what exactly your values are and who mm -hmm. exactly you are is the first challenge. And then kind of working to stay true to those um is the second one. And I think that looks different in different circumstances but ultimately like I, I think what it boils down to is yeah your internal compass and trying to live your life in a way that is um in alignment with that yeah and, no yeah yeah I mean, yeah but um no i i think you you made a pertinent point which was the difficulty of mining that internal world yeah um of understanding what is me versus what is them yeah. And I think I'm not going. I'm not going to step on your feet. I know you probably got that question down the road. Yeah. So I'm I'm away for it. But I can't I can't wait to get into that as well. I think that's really important. Yeah, absolutely. And I think there's another question um, that that kind of ties into that, which is, what do you feel formed your identity, right, as an mm. individual? How did Mike Phillips become Mike Phillips? 
Oh, that's a great question. So I think that like lands smack dab in the middle of, you know, a debate that has been had from antiquity, right? Which yeah. is nature versus nurture. Mm-hmm. What is um did I come into this world with an essence or did I come into this world malleable yeah. and then formed by those people around me, my family and and um, you know, so on and so forth. I think the easy answer is both and, right? Yeah. But I think I lead primarily me um, from a perspective of essence, mm-hmm. more so um, even though I understand that nurture has an incredibly, an incredibly profound um, impact on yeah. the individual. So I think I came into this world with certain proclivities and gifts and talents and inclinations and temperaments mm-hmm. um, that were unique to me. Nobody had to teach me that. No one had yeah. to teach me, um, you know, to like uh, to listen to people speak and like you know the different undulations of their tone and all these other different things. No one had to teach me to be um, a relatively calm dude that's kind of laid back. Those yeah. were things that were already implanted in me. Um, I think where it then comes is it then gets that essence then gets contextualized Mm. into what already exists in the world. So I think what's cool about it is you come into the world, you're landing into a moving river. There are things that have been going on before you. There were things that will go on after you. And I think that it's impossible to not be swept up by the current of that. Mm. And so a lot of other things are have been included in that essence that I think I came into the world with. So namely the fact that my, my family is a family of generational pastors. Um, And so that type of idea of service and community and leadership and, and faith have all influenced who Michael Phillips is today and who he is inclined to be Um, being a black man um, in a racialized world is going to be something that is um, critical for me to understand as I navigate through the world. Um, so all that, you know, it adds context to the essence. Um, but I think both are, are in critical and I think the essence is foundational. Yeah. No, I feel that big time. Um, there's a, this is a question I think I've thought a lot about, and I think not that I'm more on the, um, not that I'm more on the nurture side, but I've often thought a lot about the way in which my identity Right, mm. the way in which I feel being me manifest mm. is really dependent on, um, like a lot of things that have to do with who I am and the context that I was born into. Mm. Um, like, and so I I do the thought experiment sometimes, where it's like, what would I be like, even if I had some of the same like underlying inclinations, if I was like, if I was born white instead of black, mm. right? Yeah. Um, and right. I think about like right now, I think on my mind and on my heart is a deep, I think sense of responsibility and Mm. duty in terms of care for others where I don't feel like sometimes it's not something that I do even out of a place of joy or desire, but out of responsibility. Mm. Right. And I think I feel a deep seated sense of responsibility, um, to, like, you know, the African continent, right, um, to black people in the context of America. And I think that that influences a lot of the way that I move through the world, right, and a lot of what I do and a lot of what I care about. Um, and I 
I have this kind of implicit recognition that even if I was this kind of caring individual, right? Mm. If I was born in a different context, mm. it wouldn't, it likely wouldn't have manifested in the same way, right? Yeah. I think that I'd probably just be like, you're nice guy. I'd probably read, you know, the tech, stay up to date <laughs> on how I could support a little bit. But I, I think that like I wouldn't have been as invested or as thoughtful about these things um, that I now feel are very core parts of my identity, right? Mm. Um, I think the fact that, you know, I'm a child of, I'm a child of immigrants, right? Um, And I come from, you know, a context that's a lot poorer, right? And I come in the United States, not that, you know, my family was, you know, poor back where they were from, but just the country is a lot poorer, right? And I come to the United States. I think that that gives me a sense of perspective that if I had not had that, right? Mm -hmm. Um, it'd be a lot easier for me to take, I think, certain things about, um, you know, where I where I live or the opportunities that I have for granted because I would see everyone have them. Mm. I, I think there's a different way that you look at society and you look at the world where you know that every single person that, you know, looks similar to you or is in your family for miles to the right and miles to the left is taken care of versus when you understand that, you know, um, that kind of poverty or struggle is not that far away, right? Yeah. And I feel like all of these notions and understandings have had a deep impact on my sense of self, right? Like being a black man, right? Like mm. the the fact that, you know, it's not as much of a choice to be cool, calm, and collected when you walk through the world, right? Like, because if you're not, if you wild out, if you're somebody who gets angry and bangs the table and does all these things, you're not going to survive long. Mm. Right. Um, and so I think about like all of these things that I've done in response to stimuli around me in response to my background. Um, and, uh, even though I look and I say, well, there's, there's certain parts of me that I think I would manifest regardless of what context I was born. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I look and I see that, you know, the nuance of the way it manifests and the depth in which it manifests mm. and the perspective that it provides, all of those were influenced by my environment. Um, yeah. So all that is to say is I think that like even the concept of identity is maybe more malleable than we give it credit for. But I love to hear your sure. thoughts. You think identity, how, how malleable do you think identity is? So that's a great question. Um, and I think you made a lot of pertinent points as, as to really defining what then becomes the core of your identity, right? So it's like, if being a black man, or being, uh, you know, anything else is incredibly core to your identity, does that, but it's also a kind of a social construction. Yeah. Does that mean it's separate from essence? Does that mean it's, you know, different than like, if you know, like, where's the line yeah. that you would draw? How many differences would there be if you had these thought experiments? Mm-hmm. It's like a really difficult question to answer. And so I think that relates to the idea of like, how is identity malleable? Um, or how is identity more fluid than we think it is? Yeah. Um, and I think for me, I think it is fluid and is meant to be. Mm-hmm. Um, but the way that I view it is not necessarily fluid in the sense of like, uh, a liquid that can just flow in any direction, so on yeah. and so forth. I think there are boundaries. 
Um, And I think that uh, in that sense, I would define it as iterative more than I would define it as malleable. Mm -hmm. I do think identity is iterative. I don't think we're static creatures. Um, I think that we are built to evolve and built to build off of the material that we've been given. Um, And so I think like there's a way in which um, the, the nature and the nurture mesh in the decision of the individual to do what they want to do with what they've been given. So you as a black man uh, deciding uh, and you as a son of immigrants deciding that I have an obligation to the African continent is your proclivities mixing with that context to then produce an outcome that is unique only to you. And I'm sure there are specific ways in which you would like to help this world um, and, and, and that continent. So in ways that like another individual, even if they were placed in your similar context might not. So there's like a, there's like a collaboration there that I would probably pull me back, honestly, a little bit more towards the middle ground of the both. And Mm -hmm. in terms of the nature and the nurture debate. Um, But it's about that mixture. It's about that coagulation. And that's an ongoing process because I think the point, I think the point of, you know, this is something that I think just part of the point of us being here is to grow. Absolutely. Um, and I think that that means that I, tomorrow I'm going to be a little bit slightly a different person. Um, and I don't mean that literally that's in the practical sense and the metaphoric sense. Yeah. So it's like in the metaphoric sense, it's like, oh yes, I grow, I become a different person. But literally I remember reading somewhere, um, actually just biologically the way that your cells replace themselves like to the, from the beginning of your life to the end of your life and ending up in a different almost suit than you came in yeah. still being that same person right so it's it's uh it's iterative um and i would say to maybe ground it in a little bit more of a clear picture it's much more like a seed mm. um it's like you come into this world you have possibilities yeah and your possibilities might not look like somebody else's mm-hmm. in the same context or not. But at the end of the day, when you plant it in the soil of life, it's going to grow into something that is not going to look like how it did yesterday. Yeah, And that's like the whole point of the thing. Um, and that's why I think we kind of get confused when we try to say like, am I just this fixed thing? Because that's yeah. never, it's not how we're designed. Yeah. Um, and, and that's not the way it should be. Yeah, I feel that. I feel that. I think I, I think I absolutely agree is that we're always kind of growing and changing. But I also think um, there's something about like the stressors or the nature of environment that brings certain mm. things out. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I remember seeing this kind of uh, this isn't the most it was a little bit of a corner TikTok, but there was someone who's like, I'm a salesman today, right? But in, you know, 2000 years ago, I would have been a warrior, right? Or something mm. like that, right? Like if I'd grown up in Rome or something like that, like in my essence would have manifested in tangibly different ways. Right. That would not have really felt the same as they do today, right? Like my view of people that are other, right? Which is terrible now due to like the context in which I exist in where we value the life of every human or where we try or proclaim to value the life of every human being, right. Would have been different than if I was a Spartan and, you know, <laughs> my looking at my relationship with the Helots. Right. And so I think that there, there are ways in which 
Um, I feel like I, I identity is so strongly molded by the environment mm. um, that it it feels to me it feels a little bit challenging to say that that is predominantly essence. Mm. However, that being said, I think I also like I I think I also agree with what you're saying because you can have the same seed, right? And it can go in a radically different way based on the conditions of the soil, the amount it's watered, right? Um, but maybe this is even like the fundamental seed itself based on certain conditions. Right. You know, the density of the air or so on and so forth can produce a different plant. And maybe, you know, you were supposed to be, uh, I don't even know types of trees, but maybe <laughs> you're supposed to be a maple tree and now you're an oak or something like that. Um, but I actually wanted to ask the question, make it a little bit more personal. Okay. Um, what is the identity of Mike Phillips today? How would you describe your identity? What would you say are to you? And then, um, you know, let's go back two years to the start of the pandemic. How do you feel like you've changed? And then we could go back even further to a point that you pick in your childhood. And how do you feel you've changed since then? No, that's a good question, man. Um, and <laughs> a relevant one, as I've, I'm sure many people can relate at this age range. Um, that's, that is the question, yeah. the thing that we're all trying to figure out. Um, who am I and what am I here to do are the main two. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say for me, um, what I'm learning, I think, is most critical. Um, I mean, obviously, first and foremost, I can list, you know, my identities in terms of I am black, I am a man, I am uh, all these other different things, right? Mm-hmm. But I think, like, what I would stake my claim in are my values. Yeah. And what is it that I give weight to? Mm-hmm. Um just learning about that in the corporate space. Yeah. Working in the corporate world, I've learned that I value autonomy. I value personal <laughs> autonomy. He didn't like all them meters. He was like, I didn't like I, I, you know what I'm saying? Get that <laughs> off my space. I value autonomy. I value being able to control where I go and what I would like to do. And that is you know, reflective of the life that I would like to build. Um, I value mission. Um, and if it's not connected to something that I feel like is leaving a positive impact on the world, not just in terms of KPIs, but in terms of changed lives, then I am not really going to be invested in it. That is going to shape who I am. Um, and I think it also for is a matter of your gifts. And I think that what that is, is the thing that you do that makes you come alive. Yeah that makes you feel yourself at mm-hmm. your most heightened state. Yeah. Um, and for me, that's really been, um, I could say it in a lot of different ways. Like it could be just like counseling a person through their issues. Mm-hmm. It could be giving a speech. It could be writing a post and then having a discussion about it. Yeah. Um, all that to me is kind of like teaching mm-hmm. um, and, and counseling. Yeah. And I think that, for me, that's what I understand myself as um, in this world. If I could define it in one similar way, it's like I'm a teacher. Yeah. Um, and I think that that's what I enjoy doing. That's what I like to do. I like to think. I like to mentor. I like to inspire. Mm-hmm. 
And I think that that's where I would stake my claim as like, this is who I am now. Um, two years ago, I didn't have, I could have, I couldn't have answered the question. So that's how it changed. <laughs> I think a pandemic, like I, I graduated from college and you realize as you will understand too, um, that when you graduate from college, you ent- you enter into a new stratosphere where it's no longer about potential. It's yeah. about performance. That's very it's not, true. It's not about, oh, you're so great of a student. You could be anything you want to be. I've graduated. So what are you going to be? Yeah. And I think that that adds a different level of pressure um, to the questioning because you're entering a space where there are more restrictions. You have to work a job. You got to pay rent. Yeah. You might have family to support. Yeah. Um, some people don't have to work a job, by the way. Some people, some people don't <laughs> a have lot to work. Of people a job. That we know don't, don't have, have to work that job. And I wish I was one of them, yeah. but you know, <laughs> um, but you know, those types of restrictions come into play. Your decisions begin to carry more weight. There's more risk to the decisions that you do. There's opportunity loss and all these other different things, um, and so that just kind of like it shifts the ground beneath you to be like, well, who am I really? Um, and so I think I was kind of in 2020 in the middle of that questioning, like, what am I going to be actually? I had all these ideas about what I might do. I'm going to go into consulting and then I'm going to like pivot to nonprofits or whatever. And it's like, I, you can't really know until you know, yeah. until you've been out in the field and you've like tasted what this thing has to offer. And you can say, mm, I'm going to go in a different direction. So I think the shift from there is I'm starting to gain a bit of clarity on, you know, the archetype that I think fits me, um, which I didn't have in 2020. Um, and I think it's the same thing for when you're a kid. I think the difference between me and, that and then as a kid is I just, it was so much more natural when I was younger because I wasn't thinking about these things. I had such a context that I didn't have to worry about those decisions that it's just like, I can just be myself every day. Yeah. Um, and I think that that's, what most people often like I think will likely try to get back to in this stage is like who was I being when I was just naturally focused yeah. on self-expression. Um and so I think that's like the the progression of it is is a kind of a, a natural self-expression towards maybe an idealization of a future towards the practical uh implementation of a reality yeah. is the is the way that I would describe that progress. Yeah, that implementation portion of things is key. That implement that implementation, man. Let me tell you something. It's not for the faint of heart. <laughs> Absolutely, no. I, that, heart. that was profound right there. Is that I think that um, there's a lot of comfort in resting in the world of possibilities. Oh, you could do mm. this when you're a little kid. Is like you could be an astronaut. You could be you. The world is open to you. There are no constraints because. You're, 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 you, you exist in kind of a dream, right? Where you look mm-hmm. towards the future. And then as you get older, um, you know, things get maybe a little bit closed off, but when you, when you graduate college, you re, you like your world starts to, or maybe, maybe you start to feel that it narrows considerably. Mm-hmm. And now you have the pressure to actually go out and do and, and be whoever you said you were going to do and be. Um, and I think that that's, you know, not, um, not a simple challenge. And, um, I think that like, for me, um, 
maybe when I look at the way that I've changed over the course of the pandemic in, in terms of identities, I've looked at not necessarily like values changing, but one realizing like the difficulty of making a dream, a reality or living values in a very tangible way. Right. Mm, Like it's one thing to say that I want to do this and I want to do that. And I want to be this. It's a completely other thing to live your life in a way that leads you down a path towards realizing the goal. And Mm. I almost think the achievement of the goal is a little bit not as relevant because ultimately like you can't control the outcomes. You can only control the effort and the process. Mm. Right. Um, but living your life as someone that's committed to doing good for the world, what does that look like, right? Like, can you take a $40,000 salary cut for that? Right. You know, um, right? Like right. when you're actually faced with the trade-offs of the decisions you're making, you know, everybody wants to work in, everybody wants to work in nonprofits at some point. Like when you talk to people mm-hmm. in college, it's the same thing. Oh, I'm going to just do consultant for two, three years. Yeah, no, go down the nonprofit route. And they, you know, they may, they, they start making the bag, but they make 200 K they spend 180, you know, <laughs> that, uh, that nonprofit job comes around with, with 90 K and they're like, oh, I don't really know. You know, I might be able to do more good donating the money. So they say they're going to donate the money, right? And then they get to a point, right, where it's like, you know, the taxes come out. They're like, dang, I didn't know that's what I had left. You know, I got to make these payments. I got to live this lifestyle. I got to do these things. Um, And I think the actual challenge, like, you face the actual challenge and trade-offs of living your values. Um, So I think that's, like, one of the things that I've been, been seeing and experiencing now. And these are questions I'm asking myself in the moment. Um, and I don't have 100% clear answers, but I'm trying yeah. to be, uh, be thoughtful and be true. Um, I think the other thing that I've, uh, kind of grappled with, right. Is what is a personality flaw, I guess, mm. versus what is an aspect of right identity? Like, let's say if somebody talks to you, okay. right. Okay. Are they a chatty individual, Mm. right? And that's just who they are and they just like to express themselves? Are they someone that needs to learn how to be more selective in the words that they use, right? Or more conscious Mm. about when they speak up. Um, And that's always a challenge, right? Like, you know, are you, you know, do you express your opinion too much? Or, you know, do you, uh, are you just... No, it, it, it's kind of like, do you express your opinion too much, or what's the what's the like converse of that, or do you uh, do you express it just the right amount, and people don't appreciate your honesty, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that like the thing that I grappled with a lot during the pandemic, from a personal perspective, is like, what are the aspects of me, what are the aspects of what I'm doing right now, right, that I should change to quote unquote get better. And is it actually me getting better or is it me working to conform to the society and the world around me? And that's something I grappled with. And I came to different answers on different things, you know, on certain things. I'm like, this is clearly an area for me to grow in. Right. Like I can improve. I can be, you know, more selective or more thoughtful or more kind in these moments. I don't have to always give people the harsh truth in the same way. Right. 
Um, I can be more loving. I can be more present. And then certain other things I realized that, you know, even though it might be difficult, right, even though it might make my life more challenging, and I experienced this in the corporate world as well, right? Mm. Like, even though it might make my life more challenging, this is what I feel is like a core part of my identity. One of those things was, you know, sometimes it's easier to just comply. Somebody says an idea and you're like, good idea. Let me (laughs) just hop on. And I just realized one of the things that's important to me is being able to like speak my truth in those contexts, right? Mm. Um, To be able to uh, voice my pleasure or displeasure. And even if voicing my displeasure comes at cost, that is a cost that I'm willing to incur. And so yeah, kind of just exploring these different aspects. And I wonder, um, to turn the question back on you, is there anything kind of in a similar vein or similar change that you underwent? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. So I think one, uh, the personality thing is hilarious because I'm like very into personality theory. And I think about this a lot, you know, people will be like, yo, I'm a, you know, a big one is the Myers Briggs thing. Like I'm an INFP. So that means I don't like authority. And so I'm just not going to listen to you and all that other stuff. Right. So I think it's really that question falls in the, in the, in the bed of the argument about really what kind of life are we here to live? Yeah. So it's like, are we supposed to find our greatest strengths and then elevate them, kind of not worry about the weaknesses? Are we supposed to find our strengths and weaknesses and then actually curve those weaknesses so that we are conforming, like you said, like into a, into a, um, a more solid whole? And I think that's a difficult thing. And I can't say that I have like the answers either. Um, but I think what you said is, is pointed, which is that there will be time and space in which one will be beneficial and the other will not. Um, and so I think the way that I would break it down is kind of like very simply, uh, it's about your impact on the other. Mm. Um, and so it's like, if I, if my, you know, if I'm Mike Gabba and, and I have some strong opinions about things, um, and that opinion needs to break a wall. And if breaking that wall is going to be the betterment of society, and it's actually going to might be discomfort uncomfortable, but it's actually going to open up somebody's mind sp- headspace and really make room for human flourishing, then I need to say that thing. Mm-hmm. Um, at the same time, if if it, if it requires a context that I actually uh, requires a little bit more deference, then maybe I need to wield back. So it's like. There are different contexts in which one is going to be, um, you know, is going to take precedence over the other. Um, I think for me, what I'm starting to learn is what's going to differ from individual to individual is the level to which you allow yourself to be malleable in certain situations. One thing I realized that I've learned from living in the corporate space for a while and, and why I hope to not really be there for the majority of my career is that I do value authentic self-expression. So if somebody asked me, similar to what you say, like if somebody asked me like, Hey, how did you like this project? And I have to lie (laughs) to tell them like, man, I love this project. This project, I I dreamed about this project last night. I got to do all that every day. That is going to drain me. Um, versus, and, um, 
there was a lot of times when I was in my job and, and I like found myself seeing these people that I knew it's not about the job. It's about whether or not you're supposed to be there. And I knew they weren't supposed to be there, but they were there for other reasons. Maybe they just like stopped dreaming. They did the money caught them or whatever. And I would really want to say to them, I'm just like, so you realize like, this is your life, right? Like I would want to just scream that out in, in the meetings. Like, do you realize that your life can be summed up in PowerPoint slides and Excel sheets? And that's not what you're passionate about. Like, do you really think about that? And I think that when I realized that, I realized, okay, there might be somebody who can work this job as just a job and go about their life and be fulfilled in other areas. And that's totally valid. But I realized it's not me. Um, And I realized that, okay, even if I have to be here for a while, um, I'm going to understand that this is not my end game. Um, I'm going to go somewhere else. And so I think that's probably to give to your question like an, a, a moment in time where I realized, okay, this part of myself can't be compromised. Yeah. I have to go here. And I think that that only comes with just time and experience of things rubbing you the wrong way. And you, you decide where your principles lie, where your boundaries are, where it's like, okay, I have to change here. But where, when it comes to this, Mike Phillips stands yeah. and I'm, I'm not going down that way. And I think everybody has to take that journey of, of understanding what is it that you're willing to give up? What is it that you're willing to hold on to, um, regardless of what the world says? That's really powerful right there. That's, that's really powerful right there. I, that, that hit me. And there's a thought that's a bit of a tangent, and I want to steer right back. And like, okay. like one of the things, it, it ties a little bit back to the way like we draw our lines and we draw our boundaries, right? Because... Um, like we now in our generation, we have such an idea of, you know, I'm going to get purpose and meaning and mm. value from this. And if it doesn't drive purpose and meaning and value from me, like ultimately it's not going to be fulfilling to mm. my life to do. And as a result, I should leave it. Right. Yeah. But I think about a context where, you know, resources are very scarce imagine mm-hmm. right and like in in this society we understand that we'll be able to be well paid and well compensated right as graduates as harvard working the sort of jobs that we do we'll be able to be well paid and well compensated in a variety of things right and i imagine someone a hundred or 75 years ago being like i have to work i'm not going to say like soulless job because i don't i don't think that's necessarily what it is right but like mm-hmm. i have to work this job that i really don't like but it's going to give me top 1% compensation, right? Mm. Be able to feed my family, provide all that sort of stuff. Yeah. And like their mindset and their attitude towards that would be completely different. Completely different. Right? Um, and it's, it's like, I think that's something that's like really interesting to see, but also that's a tangent. Um, and uh, I think that kind of truing back to what you said, like, absolutely, we have to decide where our boundaries are. And uh, we have to draw some lines and be a little bit, you know, fudgier with, with, with others. Uh, but I think I'm really interested um, in, in your experiences in the corporate world and also mm-hmm. your experiences in your time at Harvard. Um, like, do you feel like you were able to stay true? And, and maybe because we've talked a little bit about the corporate world, your time at Harvard. Do you feel like there were a lot of times where you were able to stay true to your identity? Or do you feel mm-hmm. like there were times where um, it had to be more malleable or you had to compromise or you felt like you were acting? Um, yeah. In a certain yeah. Point? So that's a great question. Um, 
for the corporate world, yeah. and I think that most people will relate to this, I would say the answer is likely no. Um, that's not to say that it is impossible to yeah. be true to yourself in these spaces. Again, it's, it's about who you are. Mm-hmm. Um, I think as it relates to my identity as a black man, um, I think uh, obviously um, there are certain things <laughs> that I don't feel comfortable bringing to the workplace. That's very um, true. <laughs> and I think that because of that, you realize that identity um, can be in certain spaces when it is tied to a system that um, has some form of oppression can make it more difficult to be your truest self in certain yeah. spaces. Like I would imagine if I was white, I probably could be a lot more of my truest self in that space. Big dolphin. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, you know, I, I could imagine there's a lot of my peers where I realize like, oh, they are very comfortable here. And that is because they are in a in a certain majority. Um, or in a space that was designed for and by them. Um and so I think um but then there's also there's also other ways, um, not relating to that as an individual. Um, you know, I, I got this job right out of college. Um, you know, it was like a presented me as a, a good place to go yeah. that opens up a lot of different doors. Um, and so there's another way in which I have to kind of how I spoke to similarly hide my opinions about them about certain matters mm-hmm. to keep my job. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so I think it's really about for me that didn't feel authentic. Yeah. Now I could see a world um, in which for another individual that type of self-expression, it might not be as high of a value mm-hmm. to them. Yeah. And I think that that could very well be authentic to their character such that they would allow them to be kind of like that chameleon in that space mm-hmm. and they wouldn't feel slighted by it. I yeah. think that those people exist. And so yeah. I think that's, a, once again, it's just like, who are you and what are you willing to put up with? And I think somebody could like very authentically put up with that. Mm-hmm. Just realized I wasn't one of them. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's in the corporate space. I think at Harvard, um, I, (laughs) it's funny because I burrowed myself into the black community at Harvard. I stayed there. I was like, and and sometimes I wish I didn't because I wish I would have just like, you know, branched out to more communities and, Mm -hmm. and been able to like make more friends in different areas. But for the most part, I stayed there because I felt so warm and I felt so welcome and I felt so cool seeing this incredibly intelligent community of black people from all different yeah. um, sects of the diaspora um, with all these, with all this ambition and dreams. And I felt very validated in that space to see so much of what I saw in myself mm-hmm. that I just wanted to stay there. Um, and so that's what I did. Um, I know there are people that really struggled to find place at mm-hmm. Harvard and like, especially some of my friends. So I know that, you know, you know, in certain contexts, you're going to have to hide. Yeah. Um, and so I, I know that that happened for a lot of people, but I know <laughs> I avoided a lot of it by being in the black community. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> but I'm curious about like your experiences as well, like how you felt even working your current job at Harvard. Um, and like, how, do you, how did you balance that being court, true to yourself while also, you know, being malleable in these spaces? Yeah. Um, I think the corporate world is a really, I, I don't know, it's a really interesting, it's a really interesting place because 
there's a trend that I've noticed where I feel like it's pretty easy for me or it's a lot easier for me to be vulnerable with the people in my same like class year, mm. right? Like it one, it, you know, there are people that just started off and they have a lot of other dreams or ambitions versus you get someone post MBA level and they've kind of decided a lot of times or a couple years out, three, four years out MBA. And they kind of like have this understanding that this is kind of what I want to do. And I exist in this space. I am fairly comfortable with the rules of navigating it. Um, or they've developed like extremely effective like strategies to navigate it and have other aspects of their life um, kind of compartmentalized. And mm-hmm. so they don't feel the need, I think, to express it as much. Um, and I think it's more difficult generally to elicit the same level of vulnerability from them. Um, and they, and, and for a bunch of different reasons, like there's a bunch of topics you want to stay away from, right? Because right. if the manager says some, if, if an associate says something wild about something, you could be like, Hey bro, like that, <laughs> you, I mean, you can, you could check them, right? You could speak exactly. to them. You can have a conversation, but the power dynamics at play in, uh, you know, these other relationships make it very difficult. And I think they're cognizant of that and people on the lower levels are cognizant of that. So um, I think it's, 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 it's always a challenge, I think, speaking very honestly and candidly to people with a high level of seniority, um, mm-hmm. unless you really pick your spots and are really intentional about setting up that moment in the right way. Um, and I think that I, I feel generally able to do so with people of my tenure, maybe a year above, two years above. Um, but on the whole, the day-to-day work experience, um, I think that, um, I don't know, it's complicated. I think sometimes I feel like I'm able to be more authentic and sometimes I, I, I don't. And a lot of that can be team dependent, right? Who's leading the team, their willingness to engage in dialogue, their willingness to speak about the world, their willingness to share aspects of themselves and elicit that sharing from other people. Um, I think it's possible to be on a team that does that consistently. Mm. Um, but it's difficult. I think my biggest challenge navigating the corporate world is I, especially I think with people that are higher up is there, I don't feel like there's this same super strong inclination that, permeates through a variety of aspects of the way people navigate the world to do substantive good, right? Mm. Like, I think people want to do a little good, but not necessarily have a heart to do a lot of good or, or, mm. or work through it. And if they do, that's more of a minority rather than the majority. Mm. And so when you come at things from that lens and you you speak to things from that mindset, there's a little bit of subconscious alienation right and some of that is i don't know some of that is a product of being in a corporate world some of that is a product of being in a more individualistic society Mm -hmm. um but that i think is definitely an aspect of tension that i felt that when you dream big especially dream big about doing good it's a little bit it feels a little bit weird to speak to people that don't have those same desires and it can be a little bit alienating um and to go to the college context, I think college was a really interesting time because 
I was, I felt like there were moments where I was really, really able to be true to myself. Mm. Right. Um, and so a little context about me, I'm from, I'm from the DMV area. Right. So the, sure. the I, I'm going to say the better side of Maryland. <laughs> if, we keep, if we really keep it at a buck, if we yeah. really keep it at a buck. <laughs> um, and it's really interesting because I feel like that area like speaks to me in a lot of ways. Right. Mm-hmm. I think it's a, it's a really diverse international area. Um, I think a lot of people work in, in government. And so a lot of people I think are, um, are kind of conditioned, I think, to care about the world a lot in that lens. Um, mm. I think very civic engagement heavy. Um, and uh, it was really interesting when I got to Harvard and I realized, oh, a lot of people aren't like that. A lot of people are just about their back, period, right? <laughs> <laughs> like, period. Like, yeah. and, um, and the other thing is a lot of people don't have experience in deep relationships with people of color. Right. So, mm-hmm. um, and that doesn't mean that they're bad people or anything like that. Right. Um, uh, but that just means that like, there's a difference, but I, I, I'll tell you a little story. I mean, um, I used to not understand when people would talk about, Oh, like something so white, right. Like I used to not get it. Cause I was like, yo, like white people, they listen to like rap music and all that stuff. Like I didn't really know white people that listen to country like that. And I realized <laughs> like, that's very much a product of the specific area in which mm-hmm. I live. Yeah. And when I got to Harvard and I met white, white people, like <laughs> double white, <laughs> where I realized like it wasn't just a, it wasn't just a, I was, I think it was a little bit surprising. And mm. this is not to say that I didn't feel like I could express myself to those people, but this is just, and it, it's not just white people, right? There's a lot of people that don't have experience with other diverse individuals. This just means that for me as an individual, there was a, a lack of a desire to do so. Because mm-hmm. personally, I'm not someone who really like enjoys teaching people about the basics of mm-hmm. race. Um, like that, that that's just it, it's not something that's really on my heart to do. Mm-hmm. And so uh I think there was a bit of me being selective about what I talked to different groups of people about. Right. Mm. Um, and so like, you know, when I'm in, you know, aspects of the black community, I can express literally every aspect of myself to a T. Right. Mm. Like mm. literally the nuance of, Oh, I'm from this part of Africa. I grew up in America my whole life. I played these sorts of sports. I have these sorts of inclinations and there was someone else or a large category of people who could speak to that exact experience, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, even beyond that, it's not like someone, there's so many people that could relate on a deep level, I think, yeah. to the black high achieving experience in America, right? Like, and, you know, that's not something that you can really like take for granted, right? Um, Absolutely. And, but, right, like, I think that, when I ventured out, I realized that I highlighted different aspects of my identity in different contexts, right? Mm. Like with people interested in economics, maybe I talk more about economic issues, business, talk more about business issues and other things, you know, social dynamics, talk more about those. Mm. And I recognized that 
I would sometimes, and through no fault of the other person, present a part, but not the full picture of myself, mm-hmm. right? And then the reason I started recognizing that, what I would, someone would like lay back to me what they thought, and I'd be like, this is so context dependent because you've engaged with me in this specific context, mm-hmm. right? And there's a little bit of uh, maybe regret, but you know, maybe it was a wise decision to not always express the fullest fullness of myself and my identity in every circumstance, um, other than right. Like the black community. Um, so yeah, I feel like, and and I don't know if that's right or wrong, right? Like, Mm. I don't know if that allowed me to relate to a lot more people in a way that was easy. Um, or if that cost me a little bit of the fullness and depth of relationship that I could have had if I'd been more vulnerable about a variety of aspects of my identity instead sure. of the aspects that I already knew would relate most to them, you know? Mm. Um, so that's something that I still grapple with to this day because, yeah, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not the person who, like, unless I need to, I'm not someone that I think enjoys talking about things that the other person can't really relate to. Mm-hmm. I think those are difficult because I don't like the conversation to be monologue or me explaining things or somebody say something right. about pocket me be like, yeah, I'm, I'm done. I don't really want to. Let's talk about right. what's in your <laughs> sphere of influence so you could give me some insights. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it's, I think the question of it is like, to me in my mind, it, it moves from right and wrong into understanding of at least in part it's natural um in that um you know if i'm if i'm at a basketball game we're going to talk basketball you know what i'm saying like and that's and that's just what it is if i'm in economics class we're going to talk economics i think there's a very real way in which i don't think that that's not necessarily not being true to yourself i think it's just about recognizing the limits of the spaces um, you operate in, which allow you uh, to give weight to your fullest self. Yeah. Um, so I think it's like kind of like you were saying. Like, I think you know I'm a different person in my house. Yeah. With my family. That's true. Than I am even with my friends. Yeah. Than I am at work. And so I think there's like you know there's another argument to be made that all of these things kind of encompass me. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like kind of going back to that nature and nurture argument. It's me in different contexts. Yeah. And since we always exist in context, there's going to be an authentic work mic. Yeah. Um, and there's going to be an authentic uh, friend mic. There's going to be an authentic family mic. Mm-hmm. And so I think that that's like the interesting thing to think about is just like, I guess, what does it mean to be off your fullest self in every single scenario? Yeah. Because is anybody ever their fullest self in all scenarios. I mean, that, that might be a wild person. That person might not be able to fit into society like that. You're not making one thing. You know what I'm saying? So this is like, I guess like, is that, um, is that possible? And if yeah. not, then maybe we need to, maybe I'm thinking we need to redefine what authentic looks like um, and understanding that it's like, it's okay to, to show up differently to different places. Yeah. Um, and I think then it looks like uh, 
two different levels mm-hmm. where it's 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 about more so your decisions being in line um with i guess maybe your values yeah. um and then um that being the basis of determining whether i'm being authentic um versus kind of the fixed nature of my behavior because yeah. i might be you know to quote uh, I think it was a poet that said it. I contain multitudes. Yeah. Um, so it's just like I am going to be different things to different people and for different people, and this person might bring out this aspect of me, yeah. and that person, and I think that's okay. I think that's you know a part of it as long as it's uh, in line with what you're choosing to do, based off of who you want to be. Yeah. And I think that that's that's where the that's where the line gets drawn. Okay. Um, yeah. And I guess. Um, building off of that, asking a follow-up question, um, I think I agree with you. I think to me, there's a question of degree, right? Mm. Which is, let's say if I have a friend on the lacrosse team or the basketball team, and I know we come from different worlds, right? Um, and there, you know, you understand that person cares about you, that they care about you as an individual, right? And that they, they, they want to know you better. Right. Um, to what extent do you exist in the realm in which you understand you'll both be comfortable mm. versus bringing up these other aspects of your identity, right? That give a fuller picture to the wholeness and fullness and richness of who mm. you are, right? Versus leaving them out in a way that, you know, makes the conversation flow very smoothly and makes it all laughs and all good times and no complexity mm-hmm. and complication. Like how do you kind of balance those things? Right. Cause I think I agree with you. Yeah. It's a different you in every context, but to what extent do you bring a, I guess a little bit more, a little bit of additional color to some mm-hmm. of those relationships that you value where you don't always relate in all of those nuanced ways. I think it's a, I think it's a matter of intention. Um, and what do I want to get out of this relationship? Mm. Um, I think it's then, because then it it just becomes like, do I want this to be a friend? Yeah. Do I want this to be something deeper, um, than acquaintanceship? Um, and I think that that necessitates pulling back layers. Mm -hmm. And so I think there's going to be somebody, you know, that's going to have to take that first step. Yeah. To say, hey, there's also this aspect of myself. Yeah. And if you are going to know me and we are going to support each other in a different way, you're going to have to know more of me. Yeah. Um, and so I think the problem, not necessarily the problem with that, but I think the limitations of it is that not everybody has the capacity to handle you. That's very true. Um, and you don't have the capacity to handle everybody. That's very true. <laughs> That's very and true. that is what makes deep friendship so special yeah it's to find those few people to which i can open up myself fully to that individual and say you can carry this in your hands delicately um, and i can do the same for you and in that we can grow now if that person doesn't have that capacity i don't think there's anything wrong with just leaving it to the place i think the problem is just that everybody needs a space where they can drop every single curtain. Um, 
And so I think it's a matter of fulfilling your personal needs and understanding who can do that for you and who you can do that for. Um, I don't think it's a matter of, of necessarily like a, a right or wrong. I think it's just a matter of, you know, what's, what is, what is the intention and what do I need to get out of this? Now, conversely, the other thing that's popping up into my head is like, as a community, as a society, like I might not be, um, fully in relationship with my neighbor or with Mm -hmm. my countrymen or all these other different things. However, there is a sense in which, um, we even have to let down as a society our curtains to understand each other so that we can live in like a peaceful state. So I can think of that as being like, maybe you're not going to be friends uh, with that person, but there needs to be a moment where you do need to understand what my experience looks like and I need to understand yours. And I think that that right there um, is difficult to your point in an individualistic society. We're not built for it. We're not like built to come together in that way. And so relationship seems to be more of a thing that's coveted um, in closer circles. Um, But maybe that needs to be expanded because um, there's no way to evolve um, and there's no way to develop empathy except through relationship. And relationship comes through authentic self-expression. So I think that it's about, it's really about um, those decisions being made I think it's it's not just in that way. It's not just about service to yourself, but how can I be of service to my community at large and to this person um, in my capacity by being my fullest self? Um, and how can I also do the same for them by understanding who they are fully? And yeah. maybe that can open the door for more possibilities of deeper relationships uh, to flourish. Yeah, um, no, I I think I absolutely one hundred percent agree with that. Is like people sharing and being vulnerable, right? And bringing different aspects of themselves can definitively help people grow, right? And I think about the reasons why early exposure to diversity in a substantive deep way is so like powerful, right? Like it's because people are able to be vulnerable, right? Like you talk about your experiences openly and honestly and people learn from them and they grow from them and even if they don't form deep relationship with you they're better able to understand someone like you down the line right absolutely so like i think about my own experience in the dmv i'm sure there was a lot of or not necessarily friction but the fact that people grew up together like made it such that by the time people were of a certain age, they heard a lot of things, right? And it didn't feel like a labor of love to try to communicate mm. to the, it to them down the line, you know? Yeah. Versus when you're an adult, right? We, we naturally have our guards up. We learn that we can't share everything with everybody mm. in every context. And so you have like a lot of relationships where people aren't bringing them full self and maybe for good reason, maybe it's to protect themselves and right. Mm -hmm. Or maybe they just don't want to get into that. But, you know, it also means that those individuals that are not getting shared with and just being engaged with where they're comfortable, they're not forced to grow in the same way. Right. Like, um, so no, I definitely think that that's something to think about that 
as individuals and as a society, like these conversations have an importance. Um, but there's also lines that have to be drawn, right? Like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I'm not going to be, I, I, for me personally, <laughs> I can't talk, I can't talk about it every day. Or I can't talk about it. You know, that's not going to be me. That's not my role. Sure. That's not the sure. role I intend to play, but I'm happy that other people do. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, um, but yeah. And so, uh, I think we're like coming up close to time, but I, I have one other question, um, which is really around, right? Like, I guess summing up, how do you feel like individuals can stay true to themselves across a variety of different circumstances, right? Like, how do you walk through life and, and be true to your identity and live authentically, you know, through the myriad of different, you know, ways you do it right now and into the future? Man, that's a good question. Um, because I'm thinking, I think my mind first goes to the most difficult portions, which are the places where it's impractical yeah. um, to be authentic. Yeah. So if I am a brilliant pianist, mm-hmm. and but I got five kids, yeah, and you know the gigs haven't been working out, and um, you know, I need to put food on the table and maybe I need to go take this job where I have to swallow my boss's, uh, you know, agenda to yeah. put food on the table, right? <laughs> <It's an agenda. laughs> yeah, exactly. So it's just like, you know, what can I say? What can we say yeah. to that person mm-hmm. in terms of being authentic? And so I think I would shy away from it being like, you know, it's all the way the question of, man, just follow your passions. Yeah do the thing if you have leeway to do those things mm-hmm. absolutely that all works yeah if you don't i think the the way that you become authentic to your true self is really just by redefining the lens through which you view your actions mm-hmm. if everything is coming from a ground of intentionality um and purpose and mission then anything has the capacity to serve both you and the people you love, mm-hmm. um, depend, no matter what it is. Um, it could be sweeping floors. Mm-hmm. Uh, it could be driving a bus. It could be being a neurosurgeon. And all of these things conversely have the capacity to starve you of, mm-hmm. of your truest self. So I think it's really about evaluating objectively your situation and saying, this is who I am going to choose to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and regardless of what the situation is, I'm going to do what is required of me according to what I have decided I am today. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's, and, and so I think it's just going to be a decision, um, and a decision that requires a certain shift in outlook on like, what is it, the things that you're doing? Um, so I think it's a, it's a, it's an iterative process. Like we were saying at the beginning, it's about constantly evaluating evaluating where your values lie, um, what are your limitations, what, where do you not have limitations, and saying, okay, these are the boundaries in which I can move, um, and this is where I want to go, I'm just going to go to that place. Yeah. And, and, and kind of not um, fearing that move. Mm-hmm. Um, 
because I think that's like the other biggest thing. And most of the time, if, if it's not about limitation, it's about fear. Yeah. And realizing, man, that you really, you're going to die. That's, that's true. You are going to die. And you have this life is very precious. And if you can remind yourself of that every single day, then it's just like, that's what's going to spur you forward to be like, okay, I'm not going to let my kids starve. Okay, I am going to go back to grad school. Okay, I am going to do these things. Um, yeah, man, and that's and that's I think the way you do it. Yeah, dang. Are you do you, do you read any uh, any any of the Stoic texts? I don't read any of the Stoic texts. Okay. Um, you got some 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 really uh, insightful, thoughtful, and practical uh, opinions there. And that uh, it it sounded like there was a little bit of stoicism, really. I, I, yeah. Um, but no, I think I I think I agree with you. I think that one is I think dreams can be nuanced, right? Like, mm-hmm. not everybody has a dream of a certain type of labor that they want to do, right? Um, you know, to the end of the days, right? Like some people have right. the dream of putting their family in a certain situation, right? Right. Um, and for the, the, or, or it, it could be a dream or a, constra- a constraint, like, but it's not always looked at through the same lens. And so for that, you know, for some people, right, working a job that allows them to provide for their kids and allow those kids to take lessons and receive a good education and all of those things, right. That's the dream, right. Mm, yeah. Um, and they're willing to be intentional about achieving it. Maybe they don't love the work that they do day in and day out, but right. The fact that they do it allows them to live their dream of providing a certain style of life for their family. Mm. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think pretty much it comes down to, in my mind, that dreams can be nuanced, but Mm. the things that should never be forgotten. And I think I'm trying to live this way as well. Um, is like, what are your core values, right? You value helping other people, right? Like, being present for your family, you know, showing love and care to other people. Mm. And then how are you being intentional about pursuing those things on a daily basis? I think that Mm. as I grow older and older, I realize that most results or dreams aren't guaranteed. And it's kind of like the, you know, the saying, like it's in the, it's in the journey, not the destination. Yeah. Right. Um, but I think intentionality every step of the way, right? Like making sure that you're constantly evaluating and taking the steps that you need to be where you want to be, regardless of whether you get there or not, is the key aspect, right? Mm -hmm. Like if I wanted to start a business and I dreamed of starting a business and I tried to start a business and I failed, I tried to start a business and I failed, tried to start a business and I failed, Right. And then I went back to the corporate world. I think that person is a lot more comfortable with their decisions yeah. than somebody who always told themselves that they were going to start a business, they were going to chase their dreams, they were going to try to achieve, and never took that leap. Yeah. Um, and so being intentional along the way for everything that you do, right? Um, whether it's the way that you're growing, right? Um, the way that you're, you know, living your life the way that you're treating your partner, the way that you're doing your job, right? Like being intentional, right? Being thoughtful about your steps prevents that feeling of regret because Mm -hmm. we are all going to die, right? And 
you know, um, I, I'm, I'm not one who believes that this world is all that there is, right? No, sure. you, you know, we're both, we're both Christians. Um, but there is an understanding that we have to make the most of the time mm. that we have. Absolutely. Right? And if we're not living with intentionality, right, we can't do that. So, yeah, man, this has really been a blessing right here. You know, <laughs> I knew it was going to be good when I had Mike Phillips on, but I did not know <laughs> this man was a philosopher like he was. Right? I'm weak. <laughs> I did not know. Um, so, yeah, man, it's been an absolute blessing to me. And um, I, I'm sure it'll bless our listeners, too. And I was wondering, like, you know, before we close ourselves out, do you have any, you know, any final comments, anything you want to say? Yeah, man. Um, well, first off, thank you again for having me, man. It's been a dope conversation. Um, I think the last thing that I say is I'm thinking your question spurred another question in my mind, which is like, how as a community mm. can we be authentic to ourselves? That's important. That's important. And I think as a community on a grand scale, as from a societal level, I think authenticity demands a dissatisfaction with the status quo. Mm. I think, and what I mean by that is I was thinking about like our thought experiment of the limitations of the person um, who wants to pursue these things and they can't. And that's a great philosophy for a person to live in the everyday Mm. um, to like, you know, carve out their dreams or, um, you know, handle their practical needs. But let us not forget that um, if we're dissatisfied with those limitations, we can change them. Yeah, we can fight to change them. Yeah. Um, if 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 we don't like, I mean, there are people still talking about now, just like how we are changing the corporate world. The world is changing right now. Yeah. Hybrid work is having a lot of people like working from home and having more flexibility to be mm-hmm. able to do things that they want to do. Uh, people are considering the four day work week yeah. and actually how that might raise productivity rather than lower it because mm-hmm. people have time to rejuvenate and replenish themselves. Um, you know, do we, do we, you know, you could, you could span it all the way up to global capitalism. We're not going to get into that, but, <laughs> um, I'm just like, if as a community, there are always people yeah. that are breaking the mold that we've designed for ourselves, then as a community, the only way that we can remain authentic is to be constantly changing. Yeah. And so don't just, don't just be um, restricted to the practical mm-hmm. because all the practical is, is just what somebody else in the past made yeah. that you're living in today. And Absolutely. if they made it, you can make it again. Absolutely. And so I think that's probably the last thing that I would say is, you know, don't forget about what can be changed so that more and more people can live out that authentic self um, to the fullest in all contexts um, without limitation. Yeah, I think I think that's so powerful. And snap, I want to I want to do a whole nother episode just off that. I, think it, <laughs> I think I I really think it's so important. Um, I really think it's so important and so crucial to talk about, right? That the constraints of our society don't have to be this way, right? Like one of the mm-hmm. things that I've been thinking about a lot, right, is we talk about automation is coming for people's jobs, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and in a society that was not set up according to our current paradigm, that just means fewer people would have to work. Like fewer right. people would be able to pursue their interests to the fullest of their abilities, right? But we don't live in that society. And what that means is that despite the fact that we no longer need those individuals to produce food or produce whatnot, right? Like 
those people we've determined if they do not have a job will suffer. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, 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 I think that we need to be constantly shifting the paradigm of the things yeah. that we consider normal and essential. Right. And, and constantly looking, I'm not going to say constantly to change, but constantly to improve. Right. Yeah, because sure, I think change can sure, also sure. be, there's some people who want to change things for some nefarious, in very, some nefarious very ways. I'm going to say very nefarious. Um, and I, I think that, that growth, right. Constant growth, right. Challenging assumptions, right. And, and keeping what is good and looking to change what is bad or can, what can be improved, improved or made better, um, is the way we have to move. And, and those conversations exist at an individual level and a societal level. So mm-hmm. now I really appreciate you bringing that up. Um, yeah, this has been a really dope podcast, and I'm sure I'll have you back on at some point in time. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for this, and uh, just appreciate your time. And to our listeners, thank you for listening to. You stay till the end. You're a real trooper. Um, <laughs> with that said, I'm let y'all go. Peace. See y'all later.